Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Howdy, 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 all you owl hoots. Black Hood Saloon, we're back. New year, new decade. How you all guys doing? This is Eric here, and I am joined, as always, with the rhinestone cowboy, Brian Jedi Powell. <laughs> howdy, everybody. Nice. And also, not on mute, I have Tommy <laughs> K. Hey, everybody. So, yep, it's a new year. Uh, how was everybody's new year? Did uh, you guys all fall asleep at 8 o'clock like I basically did and <laughs> wake up right before the stroke of midnight? Uh, not me. <laughs> not me. I was, I was out. I was out and about. Out and about tearing up the town? Uh, no, just hanging out. Just hanging out. But... Went went to the uh, went to my brother in law's house and drank and made merry. <laughs> well, that's what you good usually. Old time. Yeah, good old time. That's what we usually do on uh, New Year's Eve. But I think I'm getting old. I hate to say that, but uh, yeah, I mean, we played some games, some board games, and then just like had a big meal and just crashed. Hmm. You think you're getting old, huh? Well, maybe I am a little bit. I don't know. My body tells me that. <laughs> could be. It might could be. I think I'm. I think I might still be the baby on the podcast. I think so. <laughs> Brian's the old man. <laughs> so, sorry, Brian. Not by much, I Brian. <laughs> I I didn't say it. <laughs> but. Speaking of New Year's and resolutions, um, before we, you know, it's a new year, usually you make new resolutions, and last year, a year ago, we actually had some resolutions that we came up with, and I want to kind of touch on them and see how we did over this past year. So, I'm actually going to start with you, Tom. (laughs) I I don't remember what they were, so So I can't imagine I followed through. I went back, I looked and listened and wrote them down. So Tom said that um, you were talking about that uh, Mike Pierce was uh, at that time getting some games going at top deck uh, that you wanted to make it out for those. And you also, your big one for the year was to paint a mini this year. <laughs> I did that. I yes. actually did that. We actually have a picture for proof of that too. It's uh, a mini. <laughs> I think we have it on the the Facebook page and even on. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Did you posted it to Twitter? I think because you were so excited that you <laughs> you painted it was, a mini. It, it, it was it was legendary uh, Morgan Earp. <laughs> <laughs> Because I remember giving you a hard time about the three color and just dip and done. Well, that's pretty much what I did. 
It looks good to me. And then, Brian, your your New Year's resolution is you wanted to branch out and get a another store into your 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 fold of doing uh, demos and doing little play days and whatnot. So I did actually branch out to two additional stores with preliminary intros, and they both went okay. One was more successful than the other, but I haven't set up a regular play or done any big recruitments at those locations. So they basically well received, but need, need a repeat visits to actually get people in. Yeah. Do, do you plan on doing that or were they kind of one and done? I plan on doing that. I just, this, the fall season was pretty rough on, on this old guy. So, uh, I just, I wasn't able to get back and in, into those stores. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the problem with real life. It gets in the way of having fun. i have the same problem and then mine so i also like brian wanted to get into uh reach out some new stores in my area and just do some demo days and whatnot and i did get in one of my old stomping grounds and did a, a demo day there and the response was pretty good that that was actually fairly recent that was back in november and then i did get in a smaller store that's a little more local for me a couple times. So I did did kind of do that, but like Brian, life got in the way, and it, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, I have a regular store that I'm always going to every month, and to add more stores, it just it got to be a little much. But, yeah, you do have to kind of uh, do that repeat events to kind of, you know, they a lot of these stores have their established community members that always go to that store and hang out and play whatever games. And consistency is a good thing to get players in. So got to keep trying. And then, of course, I wanted to paint more also, Tom. This one I don't know if I was successful in because, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I was. But then again, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't remember where I was last year at this time, like how much gray I had type thing. <laughs> so so I, I would say if you feel like you did better, then you did better. Yeah, I, I guess I was, I was more focused. I wasn't jumping around a lot of painting. Oh, this model looks cool. Let's paint this. I was a little more focused of painting things that I wanted to use. And that's something I still kind of want to strive for. But those were our resolutions from last year. So let's go into, you guys got any resolutions for this coming year for 2020? Oh boy. I, so <laughs> I think Tom, you're off to a good start actually already though. I am. I'm trying to be. Um, so Benji put, was it Benji who put out the, um, the challenge to uh, everybody needs to make some resolutions I think I so. Think, think. It was probably in one of his busy. his when, uh, Wednesday or Thursday uh, blog post that he post. Yeah, so I kind of jumped on that, and I think I said something about like a model a month or something along those lines. Okay. Um, which you know, that's twelve times my normal output. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking before we started recording that you've already surpassed last year. I did. <laughs> I did. I, I, I've got uh, my face for the painting challenge. 
mostly done. I have to base them. I maybe maybe throw in a few details here and there. I haven't decided whether I feel that ambitious, but yeah, for the most part, I I, I feel like I've I've gotten him where he needs to be, and you know, so that's that's January. Yeah, and as as a little uh, plug, we actually did a new video for the YouTube channel where Brian kind of walked you through some painting class thing. He he did and i'm actually working on that model right now with some more of the glow effects cool um so so, you know brian moves a lot quicker than i do so i had to restrict what i was doing to just uh, a couple of small parts so i'm currently working on getting some of the other parts done yeah so if you guys haven't checked that out uh we did it i think i posted it just a couple weeks ago on the youtube channel it's uh yeah it's a little side-by-side thing of brian walking tom through painting glow effects on some models yeah i mean if you keep kind of working on i think just certain paint style that's one way to kind of get better at it just repetition i was telling somebody just a week ago me and one other guy got together group of friends and they wanted to paint you know and me and him were kind of showing him completely two different ways and styles of painting where he was doing the whole wash, you know, prime white and then doing washes where I had the black prime and I was doing the layer effect. And um, I don't think we scared him off because the one guy's girlfriend was all over it. She was having a, a blast, you know, and listening to us tell her why we did this why we did that and you know just through practice you know you're gonna get better brian do you got any uh resolutions for this year um just more games more games i mean i i i i I think i want to find at least a group this year that that can have a little more staying power the six players we had out at in the woodlands which is kind of far for me was un- they didn't sustain themselves long enough to you know be consistent to have games so it yeah. petered out it was like we went strong in eight, 2018 and we had events every month and sometimes more than once a month and then then they stopped coming you know they just got so busy with other stuff that they well, yeah, no show. It does seem once summer comes along and people kind of start doing vacations and just you know different activities, that people's time is kind of precious. So it's hard to do those hobby activities. So that that's yeah, that's a tough time for me usually. That and like actually holidays are really tough for me because I'm just so busy. By the time I get home, I'm exhausted that it's hard to sit and focus on working on your, your projects and then actually getting to the store and having something, you know, somewhat ready. So I, th- I think that's one of my resolutions is to kind of plan out what I'm working on better and just get a little more focused than I was last year on uh, if I'm going to work on models, not just work on the one random guy I think is cool, but actually try to finish off like the whole unit if it's if it's units like i i still have widowers sitting on the small bases 
And it's like after we talked about Tesla and Eiffel, I, I want to try something with Eiffel and and see how it works. But in order to do that, I got to focus on getting stuff together and done for them. So that's kind of my goal is to just have a little more organization in my list building with my models. It'll give me some kind of direction of what to work on. And then, of course, just, yeah, keep keep plugging at the stores and doing demos. The last two events I've planned out a lot further than I normally have, so it's sitting on you know Facebook a lot longer so people can see it. And it seems like that's working. I was kind of afraid that, oh, people are going to forget about, you know, the event. But I think being out there longer, it's the way Facebook works with events. They pop up. You know, every person that'll look at it, well, it it gets shuffled in that, you know, formula when it pops up. So more people are starting to see it. And I'm starting to get... Yeah, it's people clicking interested, but it's more people clicking interested, whereas before, when I made it a little bit shorter window while it was sitting up there. Well, you get on people's schedules that way, too. I mean, sometimes the problem is that you got to schedule things out a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I know uh, for me, my life runs on schedules, and if you don't get on my schedule a couple of months ahead of time, you're not going to get on it. Yeah. So, you know, that that's I'm sure that's probably the same for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of guys in my group, you know, they're, they're like us, they have families, they have kids and the kids have their events. And Tommy, you know, full, full well of this, <laughs> they're driving everywhere. Yes. Well, you, you guys got, got it from my son last night as I'm driving. I'm like, I'm like opening my phone. I'm like, text these guys, tell them I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The joy of kids. <laughs> Yeah, I started reading what he was writing. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so, did you guys uh, rewind in a little bit? We'll go a little before New Year's Eve, Christmas. Did you guys get any cool stuff for Christmas? Last year, a lot of us just bought our own Christmas gifts. <laughs> um, not um, gaming-related, no. <laughs> so, uh, I got some cool stuff, but not gaming related. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I've struck out three or four years in a row now just saying, what do you want? Uh, just, just get me a gift card to the local shop. Nope. Didn't happen. So, well, I, I ended up pulling the trigger and got a, uh, Christmas slash birthday new computer for a gift. Uh, Kind of needed it, and, uh, well, you guys get to enjoy it. (laughs) Hear us to record. But, no, after Christmas, I did get some Christmas monies, and I did go ahead and pick up the Only God Forgives Posse. Me and Brian were talking about it on, you know, last time. I think we did uh, a news segment a little bit, and just talking about it in general with other people. And that posse just was very intriguing to me of all the variety it had in it that I just, I'm like, okay, I got to get this because there's so many different spots that I can put those different characters. So that that was my little treat to myself and, of course, the Christmas model. Right. So, Brian, how did you do for Christmas? Um, I really didn't get anything yet. I was I was... I'm doing planning of what to get, 
but I haven't actually ordered any. Wow, that sounds weird for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so the some of the things I did get weren't game-related. Uh, you know, I got new earbuds, uh, the, the Bluetooth kind, and... I got a yeah. really cool Star Wars tie with a. I was just gonna tie, say, I bet you got a tie. tie pin, <laughs> very tie tag, and it's uh, it, it's kind of low key. It's crossed lightsabers like all over the tie, and so the lightsaber pin is crossed lightsabers. You know, uh, nice. Was was that your dad gift? Usually, kids give dads ties. <laughs> Actually, my wife found them. Ah, okay. Well, it's just kind of funny because uh, I told her. That I wanted to order, you know, a a, a Star Wars tie tag, and she was like, uh, and I sent her a link. And she just kind of blew me off, and then ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brian, if you if you're gonna wear it, I may have a tie I could send you too. It's uh, it, it's a it's a dark navy blue tie, and it looks like blueprints to all the Rebel starfighters all over the world. Oh, he would so wear that. Yeah. <laughs> and to say if you said it had star wars on it brian will wear it yep so right. a friend of mine she found a a button you know kind of like a little button down or button up short sleeve shirt and it had all these dark faders like just his head and they're small and they, they it looks like a, a print like but it, it's low-key enough that Unless you're paying attention, you may not even notice them. And, nice. and I wore that to work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a cool one in the store, Brian, uh, over Christmas. And it was, it didn't look like much of anything. It looked like it was like a, I forget what color the background was, but just looked like a bunch of white dots all over it until you got really close and you realized that it was a bunch of stormtrooper heads. Right. Over the entire tie. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, why don't we uh, go ahead and put a cork in our banter for the intro, and uh, you guys want to move into our smoke wagon for this episode? Sure. You ready, Brian? Let's do that. (laughs) You're concentrating. (laughs) Let's skin that smoke wagon and see where it gets us. (laughs) All right, we'll go ahead and get into it. Skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister, I'm I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. All right, guys. Welcome to another showdown in the dusty streets. Another smoke wagon showdown. And we got an interesting pair for you guys today. And as always, what we're going to do at the end, you know, after this episode, we're going to go ahead and post up a poll for these guys that we're going to talk about today. And like last time, so actually I have two older ones that we got to talk about because the last regular one, uh, Smoke Wagon, we did Eiffel and Tesla. And in that one, Tesla ended up coming out on top 66% to 34 percent which i think is fair i mean even tom you were talking about you had no interest in 
Tesla until we talked about them, and you were just like, damn, I think I have to get them. Yeah, and I will. (laughs) I will eventually. And then our other poll that actually, as time of recording, I just put it up uh, beginning of this week, so it's still got a lot, you know, a little bit of time. We may check in on it probably the next episode just to see where it shakes out. But we did our Christmas episode where we had a Christmas smoke wagon showdown with all the uh, holiday festive models of uh, Krampus Rex, Kyle the Red and White, and Madre Navidad. And at this time of recording so far, Rex is killing it. He's killing it with 19 different people that voted for him over Kyle, who's at six, and Madre's at four. So, like I said, we just posted this one up the other day. So, I think there's a lot more people out there that just need to pick their favorites who would win that smoke wagon. So, we'll check back with that one. But going back to today's smoke wagon, we are going to take a look at two bosses. Uh, one is Ponce de Leon of the Conquistadors. And I almost want to say this is kind of yin and yang. Uh, we're going to look at Viridian Alpha of the Watchers. So these these two guys have a pretty rich uh, story fluff tie-in that I know Brian's going to love to talk about after we go over all these guys' stats and uh their abilities and stuff. So who do you guys want to start with? You want to start with uh, the the Spaniard uh, raid everything and steal all their gold? <laughs> or do you want to go with the, uh, the, the little off-worlder? Of course, he's uh, not so little. Let's start with the Spaniard. The Spaniard? All right. He's got a cool hat, right? He's got a cool hat. He's got a cool chest piece. That there is not a hat. It's a helmet. He <laughs> Okay, I, Captain Semantics. I, I like his mustache. It's got a little bit of a curl to it. You know, he's got a nice chest piece. He's, <laughs> you know, he's going to live forever. All right, so let's go over Juan. And let's just go over his little keywords he has. Uh, He is a boss. He is also in the Outlaws. Male, human, mercenary, and like we said, he is the, he's a sub-faction of the Outlaws, Conquistadors. Um, He has a fortune of three. Uh, I had to do some scribbling here on my little notes because I have an old stack card. He... (laughs) I think this is right. 155 points, and he is unique. That's what I see. All right, good. My scribbling was and right. I, and and I and I love that his name is Juan Ponce de Leon. Yeah, it reminds me of Bill and Ted's when he's like, "Hey, this is Bob Genghis Khan." <laughs> <laughs> All right, what kind of what's he got for stats there? All right, so his stat stat cylinder uh, starts with a quick of five. Then it goes on to his mind of six, an aim of five, a grit of six, a fight of six, and he comes in at a limit of three. So he's he's got a, a pretty, I would say almost basic. We see these kind of stats very regularly on a lot of the bosses. So he's got some good stats. Right. So he, he's got a little bit of 
above average stats for a boss. They seem pretty low. Uh, I think that once we get into his abilities and you, you see why, yeah. you know, they had to temper <laughs> the rest of the card, <laughs> giving him you know, kind of mid mid range uh, stats. So his, he's got three weapon options and this is where you start to see how, why he's his stat stat wheel may be a little low for some, some of our other bosses. Uh, he's got smoke grenades. So, they have smoke screen, indirect, and blast. Range of eight, so chucking them a couple of inches longer than most thrown items. Pierces zero for the smoke grenades, and its rate of attack one. He has a melee option called the Blade of Tolan, gives him parry and hazardous. Also crits to fatal. It's got a range of one inch, a pierce minus four, and rate of attack of one. Pierce four with fatal as a crit, it's gonna be nice. Yeah, so it's really good. Seems good. Yeah, and it's got a one inch range as well, so it's pretty good as a melee option to always be hitting with hazardous and then throwing in the, the fatal. That's good too. All right. So now then he's also got a rifle. His rifle is named. Uh, I'm hoping that doesn't speak to maybe any mental illness. Talks to it maybe. Hampers it a little much. Uh, <laughs> Poor Juan Ponce. <laughs> right. Um, and, of course, it's like one of those Hispanic-sounding names that I'm going to butcher real quick. So if anyone wants to correct it afterwards. Uh, I, can't, I can't. Well, <laughs> hey. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you a pass on this one, bro. <laughs> yeah, you probably said it better than I would. I appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, I have a clue. <laughs> it comes with ammo clip and beacon. So we know what ammo clip it's general theme in the golden army, the ability to pick from a, a, a handful of the weapon uh, qualities. Very good, especially on a 20 inch range Pierce two rifle uh, beacon. It's not seen very, very often. No, uh, it allows you to bring reinforcements from the, basically from the target you hit. So you shoot a dude, and then next time you activate something, you can call in reserves wherever that dude was. So it's useful. Um, that rifle also has decapitate on a crit. So a reach out 20 inch range with that kind of ability is pretty good. Tom, what is, what what common rules does Ponce bring to the table? Ponce brings metal, the quick and the dead, largesse, target priority, and prodigious. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got scribbling here. What's his special hey. rules? My first first one, I had to scribble out the old one. <laughs> right, the new one. I can't read my own writing. Well, so his first one listed is quick strike. Uh, so this is... Very good with you have a weapon like the Blade of Talon because once per activation, if he hits with his with his ROA of one, he he then can make a second strike action on the same or different target for one action point rather than the usual two. So he's able to do a you know a second attack if as long as his first one succeeded, he can do the second one. One less of the action points. Yeah. 
he basically means he's a combat master. The next one is Shrewd Strategist. It's one of your favorite, Brian. Love it. So this is the model's, you know, gives it to him once per turn. During his activation, he can spend an action point to look at the top three cards from either the adventure deck or the action deck. He can discard the card or return it to the top of the deck. That's really so, good. Yeah, it, it, it's really good. It, it gives you the ability to check to see what comes next on either one of the two decks, and it helps you react, right? So if, if you know you peak and it's a one, well, you can just discard it, right? You're not going to know what card comes next, but you know that one's not a good one, so you can get rid of it. Yeah. You know? Or you see that it's a four, well, you, then now you have advanced warning of what you're going to do in your next turn. Or you may want to go ahead and activate uh, teamwork and follow up with knowing that you have that four, you can go ahead and take care of some business right then. So. And, of course, Ponce de Leon, I guess, wouldn't be Ponce de Leon if, if he wasn't encouraging his his men to fight the long fight, being, you know, temporal displaced, uh, you know, <laughs> with a good inspirational. So his next ability, inspirational, gives any of his friendly units uh, within six inches, they can re-roll a single dice during their activation. So free re-rolls come in handy. Always valuable. Oh, yeah. Next one, another one of my favorite. I think it's your favorite too, Eric. Yeah, I really like Treasure this. Hunter. So Treasure Hunter, it adds another card to your adventure card uh, hand, which is, which is huge. So you're playing whatever size game you're playing, you get one more card than your opponent. Yeah. Unless they also know that having a treasure hunter is a good idea. Uh, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you? One downside of treasure hunter is it doesn't stack. Yeah. So load up multiple uh, treasure hunters. Only one is going to be, gives you that extra card. But, but when they. You have a backup. They, you, ha- you can have a backup. So if you, one of your treasure hunters falls in battle and you have a second one in the thing your next turn, you'll still be able to go back up to that one-plus card. Yep. You, you have a backup. And those last ability is shoulder-to-shoulder. Uh, models in this unit gain plus one grit when in base contact with another friendly model with this rule. And it has a caveat. And models with mounted trait can't benefit from the rule. So, you know, Ponce can shoulder up next to some of his uh, other uh, main Gisadors who also have shoulder-to-shoulder and they, they get that benefit of the grit. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty. He's got some good abilities. Pretty. Uh, I would almost say he's you know nothing overly complicated. You know, some of these guys, it's just like you got to have it set up for it to work the best. Whereas his are very straightforward. Right. So he's 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 a melee a melee boss with a great distance. You know. Yeah. Weapon. You know, he really can capitalize being in, in uh, melee, but you don't necessarily have to risk him to do that because his rifle is, is really good. Should we go over his theme posse, Brian? Yeah, we, we would be doing a disservice if we did. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> one of the neat things about the Conquistador <laughs> theme posse is it can come in an outlaw, a warrior nation, and an order posse. That's so if Ponce de Leon 
picks a picks his theme posse, he can join both an order and a warrior nation force, which if you're paying attention to all the different cards, not very many things can jump in to an order list or a warrior nation list. Because yeah. um, everyone's using that RJ and they don't play well with the no. order or the uh, warrior nation. So if you're painting your con- uh, conquistadors, blue glow instead of red glow, or you're going to be weird because <laughs> then I have to take kindly to be working with them red glow dudes. <laughs> so if all six slots of his posse contain at least one unit in each then all units in the posse ignore attribute penalties for the stunned and disordered conditions though they still count as having the conditions they just don't suffer any of the penalties uh also the only boss trait permitted in the posse and let's discuss the slots so he's got a very unimaginative slot placement. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the first Tell one? Tell me more. <laughs> well, you can take a Condistador face unit in slot number one. What's in slot two, Tom? Um, in slot number two, we have a Conquistador face unit. <laughs> and in slot three, a Conquistador face unit. <laughs> Hey, it looks like something different, Brian. What's for? <laughs> a Conquistador support unit. <laughs> Wait, number five gets really exciting. You have up to two Conquistador-faced units. I, mean, I think number six, they just ran out of ideas, and they just went with two Conquistador units again. <laughs> <laughs> face units. Face units. Face units. Face units. So oh, yeah. yeah, they're very uh, uh, select on who they uh, bring with them. Right. So the conquistadors again are a tricky, tricky bit based on the fluff. Right. So if you read the front of the rule book, or now I guess it's in the back, the back of the rule book, and you read about the watchers, or if you read, uh, yeah, if you read the watchers, you're going to get a nice long bit about. The conquistadors, right? So Ponce de Leon and his his men were searching for, you know, Fountain View, exploring, you know, the New World, and they found what probably they had no idea what it was. It was oh, to them they were probably thinking, oh, this is a weird temple. What the heck is this? But it was completely foreign to them, and it, and it was actually a Watcher's base, and. So they storm in, trying to figure out what it is, and inadvertently set off a chain reaction that basically detonates the base. Oops. So the portal, <laughs> the way the Watcher's base was functioning, it had a portal that was connected to their spaceship in orbit. Well, when the base detonated, the portal malfunctioned. And instead of just teleporting the Conquistadors or destroying them, they were caught in a temporal pop, basically, and they survived. But it was a temporal pop, so they basically walk out of the, the wreckage of this base. All the Watchers are gone. They don't know where they are because of the time difference. They were you know, unaffected and walked out and were like, well, where are we? And then they discover that they're not in their what would be their world. So 
their adventures start after this time jump, right? Into now would be the Wild West time. And here they are uh, equipped with obviously some modified weaponry with the watchers and technology wise. Uh, and then they obviously get resources from the locals in, you know, South America, and, uh, South, South Mexico, all those, right? So that's how they're tied. And that's one of the reasons we went with Ponce de Leon and the watchers is because they, there's their early stories in the fluff kind of link. So, yeah, you can't, you kind of can't talk about one without mentioning the other one. Right. I mean, they're kind of a bane in watchers now existence. (laughs) So, so part of the watchers fluff is the, the ship suffered damage when the portal popped, right? Because one half of the portal was linked to the ship. And that is the ship that crashes into Antarctica, which is now the the origin of the Lost World Exodus. So yeah. you have this little connection back back over to that. And so it's kind of neat. Uh, the Watchers on Earth are a small group that was here, right? Most of the ones on the ship didn't survive, so it was only their small pockets of soldiers spread out on these little outposts throughout the you know North American continent that survived. So there's the 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 idea that they're the last men standing on Earth, you know, against all of this evil that they've been watching. Yeah, uh, and they've been basically watching for you know for years and trying to trying to survive but then also trying to fix uh, or build a way for them to communicate with the rest of the, the watchers, you know, throughout in other parts of the galaxy. So they can, you know, phone home, <laughs> phone home. <laughs> <laughs> need some help. Yeah. They need to get a speaking spell, right? <laughs> so, Maybe they're looking at Elliot. <laughs> Like for Elliot. So speaking of watchers, why don't we go with our other boss we are going to talk about today, who is Viridian Alpha. So Viridian Alpha was one of the original bosses that we saw come out for the watchers. He's got boss, watchers, Viridian, and Alpha. And then, so wait, the Viridian Alpha has Viridian and Alpha? Yeah, I, pretty, pretty uh, <laughs> simple, ain't it? Right. <laughs> it the issue is that the way their society is set up is they, they don't walk around with like actual names, right? So they're not Bob and Sam. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Not we we can fix that, you know. <laughs> we can. You can name them all you want. You know, put a little name plaque on their base, whatever. Um, so that's <laughs> one of the reasons you have their, these are iconic positions in the hegemony, right? So you have the Viridians are this particular alien species. So anytime you see Viridian, it's basically saying, hey, it's the Viridian race. The next word is going to be more about what function they do in that race. So the alphas in the Watcher are the bosses, the the leaders. These are the guys that have the most intellect to be able to do tactics. You know, that's their function is to be the... Commander, basically. Commander, be the the spokesperson for whatever mission that they're on. So the Viridian Alpha 
again, that's where you're going to see Viridian. It's going to be shared by some of the other Viridian units. And then, of course, you know, he does have a legendary as well. Yeah, that's right. So he's looking at a fortune of four, 185 points, and he is also unique. So you can only have one of one Viridian Alpha. Right. That's a change, right? So when before the fluff change on the Watchers, the a lot of the Watchers did not have unique. Yeah. So you could have played with multiple Viridian Alphas, but with the you know the the lore and the fluff and the theme, the Watchers changed a bit, and it's not like massive amounts of aliens because their ship and their support have all but gone so yeah. there's a night number of troops one viridian alpha, one magenta alpha you know there's just the resources are a lot limited so they're the idea that they are the last men standing is it's kind of like a, a neat little you know it puts everything a little more more of a deadly perspective so to speak yeah how de- how desperate they are all right what kind of stats does he have brian all right, so um, he's he's quick of six. He has a mind of seven. He has an aim of six, a grit of seven, a fight of six, and a limit of three. Well, he's got so, some sevens in there. Yeah, no, he's he's a much more robust, you know, leader. The grit of seven is is going to give him a little little uh, harder to kill. He's got the six in both the uh, aim and fight. And now that we're jumping to his weapons, he's got one of each. He's got the Viridian staff, and it's that big, wicked-looking staff that is on his model with big, almost like a double-bladed axe at one end. It has parry, and it crits to decapitate. Mm-hmm. It's got a one-inch range, pierce three, rate of attack two. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that the range on that's not a little bit more as big as that thing is on the model. Because we well, had some but- other... The thing to consider is he's on a bigger base. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is on a bigger base. That's true. So that's taken into the context of that, right? So if he was on a small base and had that huge staff, you may see more of a, a range on it. Yeah. But and as he's on a medium base, technically that one inch is like two inches. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> his, his other weapon is what's called the Disruptor Blaster. It's a handheld blaster of some alien design. It has close work, uh, allowing him to shoot you in the face with it when you come too close. It has crit displace. So if he crits, shoots you and you crit, it will scatter you, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's uh, his blast really shook you. <laughs> it jolted you with that sucker. Right. Uh, so he has a range of 10, uh, Pierce of 2, and a ROA of 1. All right, so next up we have a look at his common rules. Tommy, you ready? His common rules are metal, <laughs> the quick and the dead, largesse, <laughs> and target priority. I heard I heard paintbrush and cling in there <laughs> to make sure you're ready. <laughs> He's gonna. He's he's determined to get that resolution, Brian. <laughs> I'm gonna do I it. Put my brush down. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So pretty basic, uh, especially for a boss with the common rules. Special rules. What do we got there? Um, you want me to do them, Brian? You've been you've been yakking a you lot. Yeah, you can start. We can take turns if you want. All right. So the first one is Viridian Clade. So this unit adds plus one to the reserve checks made for this unit while it is held in reserve. Now keep in mind, when you do a reserve check, you're using a mind. His mind is seven. So you, he's getting a plus one, so he's doing a reserve check at eight already as it is. And then say you focus it, he's bringing in whatever he wants in reserve. Right. So the next one he has is Xeno Shield. Oh, this is... unit may ignore the first point of piercing from attacks by ranged weapons. Weapons with a pierce of minus four or greater ignore the Xeno Shield special rule. Yeah. So that's, in a way, it's kind of like durable. You know, he's ignoring that right. one. Um, but man, that's it's every. Basically a, it's basically a shooty shield. Yeah. So he he's got a grid of eight against ranged weapons unless it's a pierce four or greater. Uh, so basically, you know your your big nasty weapons basically punch punch through the the shield. Yeah. Which which works. I, I like. Okay, and then his third special rule is rally. So any any friendly. Let me start over. Rally any friendly units excluding the Viridian Alpha. Within 10 inches, may automatically pass any yellow checks. So, that basically, they don't get scared if they're close enough to them. Right. And, and I like that it's 10 inches. You know, you don't have to have his grades up no, up close. Yeah. Any of it's like really up near him. It, it has a good good range of it. And look, Brian, it's like we planned it. You're one of your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so the Viridian Alpha also has shrewd strategists, as you know, we, we just talked about it. Having the ability to take a peek at your cards gives you a little bit of advanced tactic. So definitely a, a nice pickup for the Viridian Alpha. All right. Well, let's take a, a look at his posse, his theme posse. So I always, so his- I always had problems building these guys. So uh, go ahead, Brian. So instead of the faction posse, he can bring the Viridian Clade theme. Uh, if all Viridian units in the posse are at maximum unit size, then they gain the prodigious rule. So, Which is, that's fantastic. When you focus, focus them for three. I mean, they're already tough. Uh, so just getting that extra bonus, oh man, scary. Now the downside of that is it's six cylinders. Or six slots, yeah, are all the same. <laughs> we thought the conquistadors were uh... <laughs> right. So, so the Britian, uh, Britian clade wins in the unoriginality of order. <laughs> but you know what, though, it seems unoriginal, but it's incredibly flexible. Well, yeah. right. So it, it it's each slot is a Britian unit. So you got to look at the keywords. So, you explore the watchers' models and any of the Viridian units, whether they're hands, support, face. You get to your, the flexibility is you have no, you don't have to wait for some of them, right? Yeah. 
So uh, some of the things to look forward in the future is if you pick up like other things, again, right now, you wouldn't have to wait to get that big support nasty, right? You could go ahead and do it the first slot. If you want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Which a lot of the other uh, posse builds tend to make you wait for your support model in four, five, or six. Yeah. Uh, similar like Eastador. Face, 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 support. Yeah, so you got to go all the way to slot four before you get your support. Right. So the Conquistador support is the Brothers Pizarro, which is the big giant cannon, which obviously most everyone who has to face the Conquistador is like, yeah, 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 let him wait till deeper in his posse, please. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Yeah, I, I think when looking at building the Viridian Clade theme posse, what I would do, like you mentioned, is I would just look at all the stat cards, look at those keywords that are underneath the unit's name, and just look for Viridian, and just pull out all your Viridian options, and then start kind of playing with your points, and okay, what's what's the size for this full unit? You may be looking at a lot of faces. Um, I don't think there's a lot of them, but... Um, in a way, it's kind of an easy way to build uh, a theme posse for these guys. Right. So they have two, there's two uh, Viridian bases uh, currently. It's the Locust Betas, and they're non-unique, right? So they, you can bring more than one. Yeah. Right? They, they're considered bases, so they don't, they're not a team-up unit. They're, they're just one of them, but you can bring more than and they're the weapon array guys. They have the little backpack guns in addition to their big uh, sword and blaster. So those are the locusts. The Viridian Chogis beta is the the beta that has the flight path. So they have flight. They're able to zip around. And they also aren't unique. So you can bring more than one. And I think in the box, when you buy them, you get betas in the box. Yeah, I think you do. I think I have one sitting downstairs waiting to be built. And the other Viridian unit is a hands unit, the Viridian Chiogi, which, again, they're the flight pack hands, so they're not as good as the beta. But, you know, you can bring a hands unit with these guys. And then they have the Viridian Locusts. They're, again, the weapon array guys. They are supporting it. And that. Basically, what you have is as far as your options are currently for the Watchers and the Viridians. So you have. I got a little excited, Brian. I just saw Papa Trinity, <laughs> and I clicked on him, and I was like, "Oh, he's Cerulean. Dang!" <laughs> he does not pick up the Viridian. <laughs> Would he not stand out like a sore thumb? <laughs> yeah. Man. So, if you're doing the theme. Just various various units of the Viridians, and that's how you would build your posse. the The trick would be fill the unit out, right? Right. Now, is that the minimum? Right. You just need the minimum to basically qualify for the full unit, because some of them are like three to six. I think is what it is. It says is if all Viridian units in the posse are at maximum unit size. Max size. So okay. Then they gain. The prejudice rule, so it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to fill all six slots. It just means if you bring a Viridian unit, a hands unit, 
Mm-hmm. That Viridian hands unit needs to be at maximum size. And if it is, that unit gains prodigy. All right, let's see. Let me. You bring a beta. Okay. His max unit size is one. So you yeah. bring a beta, he's automatically getting, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Prodigious. Prodigious. Right? So that's how you have to work this, is you have to make sure it, whatever you decide to bring. Like, if you want, you can just bring the Viridian Alpha with three and three of the betas. Oh, that's true. Because he's not unique, yeah. right? And they're all max, so they all get prodigious, right? <laughs> you can bring a hands unit, but you'll have to bring the max number of models in that unit uh, for it to trigger. What is the cost on those guys? You have one, he's 130, so... And the Viridian Chogi hands unit is three to six. At sixty apiece. Yeah, and that's pretty affordable. Sixty, you know, for a sixty-point unit. Well, it's. I mean, it's not cheap. The issue is, as you do add more multiple model units, the costs of your posse go up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So ha- not having to go to all six is helpful because you'll trigger the prodigious a little quicker. You know, if you do commit to some of the bigger units, right? Mm-hmm. You bring a support unit, you bring a uh, a hands unit, just one of each, and you're already in the 600 range for your posse already spent because they're, they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that kind of covers our uh, our two bosses. What do you guys think for winning this face-off here? You, you guys thinking that pesky Juan Ponce, who's causing all kinds of trouble for the Watchers, or the uh, the Alpha there? I like the Alpha personally. I'm going. I'm going for the Alpha. And in, in 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 a straight up fight, I think it would be up in the air. I mean, he's it's just. just... Pon- I mean, Ponce has that negative four, which ignores the Xeno Shield. True. Right. And then it's a negative four, so. You know, I don't care how high your your uh, grid is. Negative four is is going to knock you down pretty good. So I, I at least give him a puncher's chance, right? In a straight up, yep. You know, a, a boss v boss v boss fight. Uh, the fact that Ponce also picks up his second strike cheaper, For cheaper, right? He's still going to have a little more fortune sticking around. Uh, yeah, a lot of it's Ponce just has to get to him. You know, he's got to get in that melee. Well, not necessarily because the Viridian's going to need to. Because the Viridian only has a 10-inch range on his blaster. And his blaster's nothing compared to... Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, the 20-inch. Right. So, really, the Viridian wants to close range. Because he's better in melee. So, they both have parry. Well, the Viridian does have close work on his blaster, though, too. Mm-hmm. I'm still going Viridian. <laughs> I think Ponce might beat hand to, uh, like head to head. Well, I, I, it, isn't wise, it, I think the Watchers Posse clash. But isn't the, but isn't the smoke wagon head to head? It is. You know what? I may have to test this theory out coming up soon at Adepticon because I know a certain community member that loves his conquistadors. And I do have the watchers. So we may have to test this out. That's right. I'm calling you out, Benji. <laughs> nice. 
He's gonna wipe the floor with you, man. He probably will, because I don't know how to play him. <laughs> He's been... I was gonna say you better get some practice games in. Maybe maybe I'll make Chris play him. <laughs> he plays watchers all the time. Right. But uh Yeah, I, I think I think I think Tom's right. In, in a hand to hand between the two, I think Ponce is gonna squeak out. And then and you know, you got hand to hand between the two, and then you've got, you know, still ranged between the two. And I think Ponce has the advantage there as well. Right. With ammo clip, decapitate, pierce two, I think so. You know, he, he's he he's got the tools to do things. He can play the range game. Definitely does have more tools. You know, let, let him kite the uh the Viridian a little bit. I, I think that that's uh a tough tough thing for the Viridian to deal with. Right. And Ponce also has prodigious, so when he's focusing, he's doing it a little better. Yep. Now, would Viridian get that uh, prodigious with the um, theme posse if you ran a theme posse? I was wondering the same thing. If only we knew a rules person. The way it's written, I don't think so, because... It says units. But the boss is not a unit in the posse. Yeah. So that is one. Isn't he, though? No. They don't no? consider him a unit in the posse. He's huh. the boss of the posse, but most of the time, the the bosses don't benefit unless it specifically says the boss gets hmm. Kind of like Billy the Kid. It literally says Billy the Kid gets this. You know, when when he meets his whatever. Hmm. I think he gains like think treasure hunter. Like if he's in a outlaw posse or something. But. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like I, I feel like I've changed your minds on this. You both came out hot and heavy for the Viridian. Well, I was thinking posse, posse versus posse. Yeah, I kind of was too because I've played the pos the Viridian posses posse a lot. Based on having all those extra people to fly, uh, you know the potential. Yeah, you know they can be a the- fast posse. Really, I've only played one maybe once or twice, and that was in first edition, so I haven't even tried them yet in the, the new rule sets and that we have, but he does seem very intriguing, and he does have ties with my outlaws. I think you have to try one out. I might have to. I'm going to try them both out. How about that? <laughs> Sounds fair. But, yeah, we're. I think we're all kind of switching... Well, not you, Tom. You're the only one that knew who you wanted. I think me and Brian are kind of <laughs> swinging towards towards Juan there. But uh, what we'll do, as always, we'll go ahead and post a poll up after we post the episode. So keep an eye open for that, and you guys can kind of chime in who you guys think would win this epic showdown of these two bosses that are very much tied together with the fluff. Uh, there's so much that happened in our game because of these two. Just remember, if you want to be right, vote for Ponce. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's going to about do it for this smoke wagon. Go ahead, you guys, and watch for that poll and, and vote on who you think is going to win. Ready, Brian? Yep. All right.
All right, guys, we're back with a segment that we're going to go ahead and go over some terrain talk. And we were talking a little bit off the air last time we recorded about doing just kind of a little talk about scatter terrain and kind of coming up with your own homebrew, making stuff out of scrap pieces of, you know, hobby building materials that you got in by your art area. And we also thought of it would be kind of cool to, when you do something like this, kind of theme it after whatever your chosen faction is. So the three of us came up with some easy scatter terrain that we could make for our chosen factions that we hope maybe would give you guys some ideas. But before we went over that, do we kind of want to talk a little bit about scatter terrain, Brian, and why it's kind of an important thing when you build your boards. And sometimes people just think of the buildings themselves or uh, just like some kind of tree or rocks, but don't really think about you know, that thematic scatter terrain that can add to the board and to the story and actually be geared towards the factions. Right. So I, I think when we had uh, Mac on, he went over how he layers the the board, right? And so a lot a lot of beginners in in wargaming, they they only have one layer. Yeah. Right? So it's typically because you just started doing so you know you you've got whatever large objects you have on hand maybe from other games and you that's what you use as long as there's some line of sight blocking maybe some buildings that you can jump in and out of and you're good to go what mac was saying is well you can capture the imagination by making sure you layer your your boards from the the base which would be like a mat or uh, a, didn't he uh, show us how in a video, how you can take a, uh, a faux fur rug. Yeah. <laughs> I got one of those. <laughs> spray paint it green and comb the poo out of it. You can shave it down and make a various grasslands esque, make your own grassland mat. Right. Yeah. Of course there's, you can dump a lot of money into you know, those mouse pad game boards that are painted or printed. Yeah. Uh, I found someone who was taking just felt and rolling out felt and they, you know, did their paint onto the felt and, you know, you're good to go. So that's your base, right? Then after that, you check your scenario. It's going to tell you, hey, this is kind of how you need to su- suggest you lay out the buildings yep. uh, or whatever your large terrain is, right? So you want, on a three-by-three, three, you want at least five pieces of larger terrain. And that would be your second layer. So you got your foundation, now you got your large pieces. At that point, a lot of people think they're done. Well, problem with that is it makes your, your game a very one-dimensional. If you add scatter terrain, and, and War Cradle has some of the early outlaw uh, scatter terrain, you can probably still get that fairly easy of various sizes and crates. Yeah. Uh, RJ canisters. Uh, I think there's there one of the sets had like 
mine cars. I think there's uh, a, a wrecked iron horse in one of them too. Right. That was like one of the $5 a month programs yeah. uh, way back when. And it's a wrecked. Then there's a barricade. It's kind of like a fence with a canister at the end. So there's quite a few things that War Cradle has. Well, you know, if you don't have any of that, you can make those, yeah. right? And, and the key is to make them in various sizes. All terrain, you know, causes a defensive boon for your models. If you don't have any scattered terrain, and you only got those five big pieces of terrain on the board, man, that's that's a bloodbath. Yeah, there's nothing to hide behind and get those right? little bonuses. So you want to start layering in some some tall scatter terrain, like a fence or two. They're tall enough to where you know models can't crawl over them. Mm-hmm. Um, they block line of sight, or they at least obscure. They, there's a lot of those things that you're going to want to put in there. Then you go with the shorter pieces that are smaller than a small base that your models can roll over, like climb over. They don't have to expend any extra energy to get over them. And then, then you can start thinking of other things like what, what's the environment? Do I want to add, uh, you know, do I want to add a pool or do I want to add like a, a little Creek that runs through my board? Do I want to, and those are the things where your, your hobby skills can come in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the different layers, right? It, and that's what I guess it, it brings your imagination into the ground where your models are playing, right? I think we talked about trees. Yeah. Even in a western town, there's nothing wrong with throwing a tree or two in there. You, you use one of the residence or cradle buildings. There's no reason you can't have a smaller white picket fence, you know? Yeah. It's it's line of sight. It brings in. It also starts telling the stories like, okay, whoever lives there has got a wife. She wanted to pick a fence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I built a lot of terrain in the beginning because it was cheaper to to hand build stuff. Uh, so I built an outhouse, very small, you know, but it, it's considered scattered terrain, right? So those type of things. And and really, there's there's so much out there where you can just wing it. You can go to Michael's, and they have all kinds of small. Oh, I've gotten the wooden blocks there. Those just small wooden blocks, painted them up to look like crates, and hot glued them together so I can have a stack of them. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, that there there's just so many things that you can do, and that's why we wanted to say is like, hey, what can we do as a way of talking through a couple of builds, right? Yeah. So. So my favorite faction is lawmen. And so what I was thinking of is, you know, these lawmen, sometimes they're in their little towns and it's just maybe one or two deputies and maybe a UR-30 bot. So why not? We've seen the Iron Horse recharging station. Why not a UR-30 recharging station? Mm -hmm. So instead of on the ground, it would be, something that stands up that, you know, the UR-30 bot maybe stands in or like a little alcove. Kind of like a phone booth. Phone booth or, you know, if you, you think of Star Trek, you know, uh, the the Borg on their Borg ship, you know, they would just stand uh, yeah. out and yep. that's how they would, you know, power up or sleep or regenerate, whatever. But you can just 
kit back that. You know, you got a bunch of pieces from your uh, MDF or cradle kits. You can just use those and and you know glue it together and paint it, put a bunch of RJ glow on it, and you know now you got a little UR30 you know recharge kit. Yeah, it's not that hard to take little bits and pieces and glue them together and. When you paint it all black or prime it all black, and then actually start painting it like a different color, like a, you know your metallic colors or whatever, you'd be amazed at how it ultimately looks like something completely different than what you used to build it. Right. So I showed you the two RJ Iron Horse recharge stations. Yeah. I have, right? Yeah, I had a hard time telling those apart. One was bought, and you know I I don't really have any way of you know what resin recasting so instead of even exploring that option i just i had all those extra little pieces of mdf and so i used that a couple of pieces of plastic you know i have a i have some rod that i bought plastic rod that i use for uh studs when i built some of my scratch build building use that some studs for this and I made a recharge station. It looks very similar to the, you know, the resin one. And from two or three feet over the playing area, it's hard to tell which one's which. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's something to think about, too, that you mentioned three feet from the table. Don't, if, if you guys are building this kind of scratch-built stuff, and, I mean, use your imagination and don't worry about... You know, what does it look like when it's like a foot away from my face? Because you are going to be standing up. You just, you kind of want to get that feeling, that theme of, oh, that's a such and such there, you know, in the town. And it's enough. It's enough to work for the scatter train and to serve its purpose of giving you that little bit of boost. And at the same time, adding that, that theme and that story to your board that you built. Well... The idea I came up with for some scatter terrain, and I kind of racked my brain a little bit about this for the enlightened, because the only thing I had to go off of was something industrial. You know, they're kind of known for their little, their factories and turning out the diff different creations that they're going to use in their posses. Um, but I actually was looking through an online magazine. I'll um, give them a little plug here. So the magazine is known as Bexham's Bazaar, and it's created by James Kelly, otherwise known as a tabletop engineer on YouTube. And this magazine he created is a RPG and wargaming magazine that has all kinds of articles in it that um, anywhere from, you know, tables for Dungeons and Dragons and little hobby crafting type articles or um it has battle reports and stuff in it too uh it's a pretty neat magazine it's kind of a throwback to the old dragon magazine that you can easily you know for a couple bucks subscribe to on uh through patreon and you can do a direct download or a, you know through for digital or a pdf and i think there's a way you can even print it out so if you guys are interested I'll go ahead and, you know, below in the show notes, I'll put some links and stuff so you guys can check it out and um, possibly support Jim and his magazine he's creating. Um, so what I saw in 
this magazine. Something cool what they did with a a plastic hair roller that you would, you know, the ladies would use to curl their hair that they got at the dollar store. And they took this plastic hair roller, split it up, and it kind of looks like a uh, what they did with it was they attached it to different pieces of you know extra foam board and made it look like a caged ladder. Now what I thought was neat is that you could even take that and depending on the size that you got, you can get an even bigger one that say could be a literally a cage and you could you know if it was the size of a guy, it could be you know some kind of cage of Dr. C was taking recruits and he was putting him in this cage and I thought about building something that was kind of about the size of an outhouse, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe more like a two by two and on on you know I have this maybe a caged ladder going to the top of it and then on the top with the foam board depending on if it was round or square, maybe even hex shape doing a cutout and then using like some wire mesh you know glue that on the underside of it so it looks like a kind of like that your wire mesh uh, steel plate type thing you know somebody's walking up there and you can take it further and use toothpicks and uh, like jewelry necklace type thing to be like maybe a chain link going from those you know the poles so there's all kinds of different things you could do with that. And I thought that was, you know, it kind of started my mind. You know, I saw one little thing in this this magazine and it got my mind going of, you know, what I could do just taking that one little thing and kind of trying to make it industrial and fit into my Enlightened. So I thought that was kind of something neat. Yeah, no. and and that's the neat thing about trying to find faction-specific stuff. I mean... You could you can pretty much just go crazy, right? Yeah. Um, like, say for like the order, you know, their temples. Maybe you can do statues, or you can, oh, yeah, uh, you know, probably find something really that's kind of Greek themed, and you know, kind of retweak it so it would fit with order. Right. Well, you know, I have like a, a set of the Lord of the Rings miniature game okay and have all those countless elves yeah uh, they're all like stiff looking and i i mean you can use those as statues just yeah paint them stone-esque and you put, know put them on some kind of square base like build it up kind, yeah. You know? yeah oh yeah so tom you uh had some ideas for union right other than a burning tree with Sherman's heart, old, reliable, carved into it. Oh, he's, he's just misunderstood. Um, so some thoughts I was having. So, you know, I live out in Pennsylvania and, you know, I'm not too far from Gettysburg. Uh, I drive over the bridge over Washington Crossing every day on my way to work. So kind of this area, there's a lot that happened here, both Revolutionary War and then into the Civil War. Um, and you can see some of the terrain that's here one thing that really stands out around here is there's stone walls everywhere mm-hmm. uh it looks a lot looks a lot like uh, you'd see all the little stone walls in ireland and stuff 
And it's just because the ground is so rocky as uh, farms are being established and stuff. They'd pull up the rocks and they'd build border walls. And that would be something that'd be both thematic because you could picture, you know, the Union gun lines coming up to those walls and using them for cover, you know, and fairly easy to make because it's rocks. You yeah. know, you just go out, go out and get some rocks, you know, from your garden or from a hobby store or whatever you want to do. Uh, and you start building them up. You know, you can take a strip of, you know, balsa wood or something that's maybe a half inch thick and, you know, however long you want it to be long. And you can literally just start building a wall and, and gluing these things. And you basically just stagger how the rocks uh, fit on them. Obviously, a little bit flatter ones make it easier than round ones. But, yeah, uh, you know, then you can have these little portable walls that you can kind of just lay out wherever you want. And you can break up, you know, not firing lines so much, but you could break up the, the movement lines while also creating some partial cover for any units that are moving in and around them. And those go really well out in kind of like a field, you know, put in high grass and, you know, you have the feel of kind of uh, farm farmland that you're marching through, whether it's cornfields or, uh, you know, whatever, broken up by these stone walls. Uh, you know, you could also put in fences, you know, defense posts, you, it's a lot of mm-hmm. cattle grazing, more dairy cows around here than anything, but you know, they're all fenced in. Uh, so you put in wooden fences and, and again, that just gives some partial cover, you know, and, uh, breaks up the movement lines more than the sight lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it's a very it's a very East Coast type of farmland versus like a frontier type farmland. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be neat. You're talking about like kind of the more established farm and not like the frontier type homestead, like mm-hmm. a, a big hay bale, not like super big, but big enough that those guys can't just easily jump over it. Would be kind of neat. Go with your 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 stone walls and stuff like that. Well, and that can give you I that can actually give you there are plenty of places in Texas that had so much stone like in especially like uh mid Texas like around Austin, San Antonio, you know, there's so much rock and stone a lot of their their homesteads use those stones for the same thing. Yeah. You know, so you could do those stone yeah, you could so, in the in the West uh, easily. It doesn't matter anywhere in the U.S. except for maybe, you know, your swamp board. <laughs> there, the, there you would use like your basic sticks. Make, make yep. just take your sticks to make your fence line. Yep. So, and Eric, like you said, with the hay bales and everything, you could use those to actually be your line of sight blockers, and you know, you're using them instead of crates, basically. Yeah. Um, but they're but they're serving the same purpose from a, a scatter standpoint and i mean this is it's kind of one of those things you just kind of use your imagination and we thought it would be neat that if if you centered on like whatever your faction is and try to you know kind of brainstorm some ideas of what that particular faction would be and like what would be you know some some stuff that you would find around where they would frequent and maybe that would help you come up with some scatter terrain to build into your boards. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was reading notes to see if there's anything we missed. 
But I think that uh, about covers it. Um, oh, I mean, I, I was actually going to go into... So some of the some of these things that we're kind of talking about that you can you guys can use are you know you want to think about what is like fairly inexpensive and you know easily accessible that you can you know use your imagination and build stuff like this the 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 plastic hair rollers that that I came up with you can get those at the dollar store the dollar store is really great for finding just odds and end you know, whether it's a crafting section there or, like I said, that that's probably right in the beauty aisle. And you get that for a buck and you take it home, prime it, paint it, attach it to some scrap MDF, like Brian said. And, you know, you can make something industrial or like Tom's stone walls. You can find that. Shoot, you can find that out in your yard or, you know, the pet store. You know, they have those bags of stone that you can put in fish tanks and stuff like that. And they're fairly inexpensive. Brian, you mentioned you wanted to do something like a tumbleweed when we first started talking about this. That's right. It's not really faction specific, but tumbleweed, you can get it into it as you want. But a simple one is... It's a cotton ball, right? Cotton ball, yeah. Just kind of stretch out a cotton ball a little bit and hit it with a little bit of brown paint yeah. yeah and then you got yeah. a tumbleweed so i mean these are all you know ideas that you think about okay what can i make this out of you know we were talking about fences doll rods those are cheap you can find those anywhere from ace hardware to any har- uh, any hobby store so yeah kind of huge your skewers. yeah the wooden skewers that's uh, right find those in the grocery store so there's lots of places you can find raw material for making some of these ideas we came up with. It's more or less we we came up with this to kind of bring up for you guys to kind of think about, you know, use your imagination of something that would fit with the factions and help you guys add a little bit more theme and story to the boards that you set up and in the same sense it's adding something to your games because you're getting some kind of benefit from it but i think that about does it do you guys have any anything else you can think of to add to uh this little terrain talk um here's one thing don't even if it's not your table say you're 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 visiting and and you have some of your own scratch terrain bring it yeah yeah. <laughs> you never know what your table looks like until you get there, right? So if you keep some of these little pieces of scatter terrain in your in your your war bag, when you get there you see what the table is at and there's not enough scatter terrain, break out your own scatter terrain. Say, Hey, hey bud, um that's not enough scatter terrain, man. Uh, you're gonna get my we're gonna get all our dudes killed. So yeah. here I brought some scatter terrain to add to the table, you know? And, you, uh, you know, and if, if you feel like it's going to feel out of place, say, because it's maybe too industrial for this frontier town, well, you know what, take that industrial piece of scatter train you made, maybe put it by a wagon. Maybe it, they're transporting it. So you can kind of think of it that way, that that's why it's there. So it wouldn't feel like it's out of place for you. Well, and even with that, with the industrial type thing, um, 
this is a weird West where, in, where, you know, technology is starting to uh, show up and become commonplace anywhere. You can really attach it to anything and be like, Hey, that's, you know, the guy that's, you know, a little bit ahead that has some money in town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I don't think, I don't think anything would really look out of place that way. Yeah. The guy, yeah, guy running the town may be that rich, um, railroad owner. <laughs> or no, it was just, you know, it was shipped to the wrong place. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, not by the Pony Express. Yeah. No pin. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Fighting words. Yeah, I know those are fighting words. I'm going to end this segment now, or I start to cry. But yeah, I mean, you guys just go ahead and let your imagine run wild and see what you guys can come up with. And uh, if you guys have any cool ideas, shoot them our way. Maybe we'll talk about them, and maybe it'll give us some more ideas. So we'll go ahead and move on, and good luck with coming up with some. Scattered terrain ideas, guys. Alrighty, alrighty, guys. That's gonna about do it for the show today. But before we get out of here, we thought we would, as always, go over some new releases that are coming out at the end of this month. And I know a lot of people are excited about the new Posse box that we're getting. So we have finally for... Oh my god, I just blanked. The Hex? (laughs) So we finally have for Marie Laveau in the Hex a new Posse set for her. What's that that set called, Brian? Um, Because I don't want to say it. The Court of the Zombu. <laughs> so, for the longest time when she first came out, you know, we knew that she need her posse needed Nazambu creatures, you know, throughout, right? Yeah. And we only really had the the Nazambu snake, and then Opie came out. So then you had two. Well, now we have her her posse set, and it comes with a couple of new Nazambu esque figures. So it's it's been teasered through sketches for a while and and they're very much the you know southern Louisiana swamp voodoo esque Oh yeah, totally is Nazi models and of course there's a, a big zombie creature as well in the group. Has a new so, hexalith in there too. That's right, yeah. So we get another hexalith, so one came with uh, Lucretia and Tutubo, right? I think that came, yeah, that came with one, and then the third man had one in his set, too. Right, so we had two previous, and now we have a third that comes with her her new set. And it looks like, so coming along with Marie is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four new models. I know two of them are like a mother-daughter type faces and then there's her husband and then a big old nasty creature looking guy right so uh if if you know anything about the fluff of marie laveau she is a a legendary marie laveau is who marie laveau is she's a it's her true uh, form yeah she's an ancient monster that 
is able to basically through her power make everyone around her think she's this voodoo priest and so everyone sees her that way but she secretly is this big large squid creature it's an excellent uh, looking model right they i think that both the models are really nice so she 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 hides with her magic but she's been manipulating people through the ages as as she's grown in power uh so the story, the fluff on the website is actually pretty good. Go read it. It's a little long for us to go through it word for word, but it basically talks about one of the characters in the set named Cleo. Her title is the Nazambu Crone, and evidently her family has been linked with Marie Laveau for generations. Mm-hmm. So Cleo's grandmother was the first that found the egg that hatched and then became Marie Laveau as it grew. So they kind of grew up with Marie Laveau teaching them all these weird, dark energy S type powers, herbalism and witchcraft. And so all this spread the legends of different voodoo witchcraft throughout the swamps. So they're very much lean. The big creature that you're talking about is actually has a name. It's Jock Santiago. And it says that he was basically... He wasn't a nice man <laughs> when, well, he, when he was a man. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of a jerk, and he was a gambling <laughs> drunk, and evidently he was courting Marie Laveau. And she used him as a way of, I guess, embedding herself in a more civilized world in, you know, in around New Orleans. And uh, as she did no longer needed him, he basically succumbed to the dark influence of the hex. But instead of flaring out as a hex beast, he's lingering because of that connection he has with Marie Laveau. Yeah. So he is, she tinkers with him. So he's got little uh, more zombie esque modifications to him, but he's basically a modified zombie hex beast. <laughs> and so he's big, gruesome, nasty. Yeah, he's kind of got, like, whatever scrap pieces of, you know, wood, steel. Uh, he's got a peg leg, which is kind of neat. Um, I mean, it looks like a typical, like, hex beast type model that would be fun to paint. Right. But So one of the models is called Cemetery Criminal, and he they kind of detail him, describe him. He's a master of the dead, and his he can cure mortals of diseases. Uh, his power is especially great when it comes to curses and black magic. And so he's basically, he, he reminds me of the, uh, so she's all Princess and the Frog. The, uh, oh, remake. yeah, yeah. He, okay. He kind of reminds me of, of that, you know. Yeah, he's got the classic, you know, I think it's a top hat with like the, you know, the voodoo influences of feathers and, uh, right. Yeah. Shadow man. Shadow man. Yeah. So he, he looks pretty cool. And then Zora is the Nazambu Oracle. I don't really see anything written specifically. I think she's Cleo's granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So Zora is the granddaughter. So she's a younger, you know, Nazambu and she's named the Oracle. So I'm, I'm assuming when we see their cards, she may have some of the more mental stuff yeah. with her power, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see where they go with the, the 
this you know varied group you know you have two nizambus they grow up with someone who has quite a bit of manipulation in the game yeah so i imagine there will be some synergy with that with those two yeah um, and then the uh, i'd be curious to see what the master of the dead uh with the criminal how he he can uh, be in in the game and stuff so it that, should be interesting that could be something like uh you know with the enlightened how they can bring back units maybe he can you know so yeah it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out but one of the other new releases we got is a support box coming out that's going to be raiders and hex sharpshooters so you can include these uh, long-range sharpshooters and your units of raiders or for like the outlaws or uh, with the hex and this is kind of a this is not really a new model, but more or less just a kind of a cleanup of an older model that used to come with, I think, the hand boxes. So they're kind of re re releasing them. No, they never they never came. They they typically when you bought a starter set in under Outlaw, you got one of the two. Okay, uh, right. So then you would pick up the other one solo or uh, as a blister or something. Right. Okay, and I can't I can't remember if we've seen pictures of this one. It that if like some of the other support boxes coming out, if there's like a new sculpt for them. It, I mean, you're getting three in the box. There's a little bit of variation with them, like you you get the guys you know resting the foot on the box, and then there's another guy that's just standing there. Um, the variation looks like it's going to be in their guns, their weapons. And some of their outfits are a little bit different too, but I mean it's it's three three guys that you can use for a support slot when you're posse building. Right. It doesn't look like they come with the other weapons in the set. Says let me see. It says juiced shotgun. So you get one guy with a juiced shotgun, and then two with sniper rifles. Right. So it's just those two upgrade options. So it would be neat if we start seeing where you're able to kit bash by getting a, a, a set of the various weapons that the whole posse gets to or the whole faction gets to use for yeah. those upgrades yeah uh, so you can actually have a model with your gatlin or the outlaws or you know a rocket pod or... yeah i'm curious though what some of the other weapons would look like so hopefully they they do release some more like this variations of the different weapon types right all right, and then the other release that we got coming out is the deputized support team. And that one, I think, Brian, you'll you'll be excited to get for your lawman. It's also another support box, and it looks like you get three models in that too. Right, so it's a it's a support box. It's going to come with the shotgun support unit and Gatlings. Oh yeah, the volcanic shotgun. And then the Gatlings. Yeah, you get one of the shotgun and two with the Gatling guns in this set. And yeah, you got to <laughs> just look at the picture. One of them looks like uh, Jesse Ventura from Predator. <laughs> so that's the original. Uh, <laughs> he ain't got uh, time to bleed. Yeah, that's the original Deputy Gatlin. And he does. He even got the little dit in his chin. I mean, look. <laughs> you know, if you remember the uh, the scene from Predator, that's what it looks like. I mean. 
he shoot, he even looks like he's got a mouthful of, you know, uh, some chew in there. He's getting ready to spit. <laughs> yeah, and then the other guy with the shotgun's pretty cool. He's got a pretty neat stance. He's like really bearing down, getting ready to fire that four barrel. Yeah, he looks like he's ready for some action. Pretty cool. But yeah, that, that's our releases that we're getting at the end of the month. And um, we didn't really get any teases for next month, did we, Brian? Not yet. Um, so It's a little early we, for it, isn't it? Well, sometimes during the month we'll start getting the uh, spoiler teasers. It, we just haven't gotten any. Okay. So there's no... No discussion yet. I'm sure by the time the these pre-orders go shipping, we'll probably hear something what to expect for February. Okay. One last thing for news before we get out of here. We want to go over some con dates coming up that War Cradle's going to be at with their booth showing off the Wild West Exodus and demoing some of the other games they got coming down the pipe. First up, we have the Gamma Trade Show which is actually a retailer con where they they show off their different merchandise that is for sale for stores or online stores to carry for for customers. And that is the 11th and 12th of March in Reno, Nevada, here in the U.S. And then next up, we have one that's in my backyard, Adepticon. And that's March 26th through the 29th in Schaumburg, Illinois. And that should be a good one. We got, uh, I know there's a lot of community members that are going to it, and there should be a lot of little side events there. And then the last one I have on the list here is the UK Games Expo in Birmingham, UK. And that is May 29th and the 30th. So if you guys are kind of in those areas, you could check them out and see what kind of new stuff they got coming out. Well,. I think that's going to do it for today's show, guys. Go ahead and make sure you go and check out us on our Facebook page. We're always putting up some new stuff on what we're all getting into. It's a Black Hoof WWX podcast. And feel free to email us with any ideas you guys have for Scatter Terrain. Or if you want to hear some, you know, you guys got some ideas for a, a new smoke wagon showdown. We will go ahead and add it, or if you have any input on our smoke wagon for this episode, visit us on Twitter and Instagram. We're posting pictures on there. You never know. I may post up a spontaneous unboxing video, or you know, you can check us out on YouTube and see Brian and Tom painting. <laughs> we we got to do another one of those, guys. I, I think that was one of our popular videos. It seemed... I, I think not just Tom learned from you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a little bit, and I think we have something in the works for the next one. Cool, cool. Uh, so it'll be a surprise. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for listening and supporting the show. We will go ahead and get out of here. We got some some stuff to build and paint and try and get ready for our next events and uh if you guys have some cool stuff that you're working on go ahead and post it up on our our, our facebook page or you know we, we'd like to see what you guys are working on this is eric saying take it easy and listen guys whether you're using your viridian to phone home and get some help to get off the planet or if you're Building some golden idol scatter terrain for Juan Pons to hide behind. 
then take. Remember to ride with the sun at your back and always roll those big crits. Say bye, guys. Bye, bye guys. <laughs> All right, until next time, take it easy, guys. Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interwebs and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Music for the podcast was provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels, Ross Bugden Music or Ross Bugden Composer. Until your next visit, Ride with the sun at your back and always roll those big crits. think kyle the black yeah see sorry the kyle the not black he, what, what is he now red and, red and white. white yeah i think he's the nicest looking one I'm, i might just be partial to that dog though oh yeah that dog's cool and I, like i said I, I like that they give you two options for the base bases on that yeah true he just needs uh blue red white and blue maybe all over america yeah a Fourth of July figure. <laughs> oh, wow! Could you imagine them making that one? Yeah, I, I don't know how that would go over. <laughs> but yeah, Rex is Krampus is killing it with nineteen votes. Nice. Next to six and four, so I think we know who that one's gonna win. All right, so I got those stats rigged. <laughs> rigged. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of Hex players out there, though. Uh, Hopefully it's uh, not our influences. <laughs> nah, stupid Hex. Two of... I guess i got to pull up their cards, huh? Two poles. But but I'm painting. <laughs> I'm painting. You're going to interrupt me to pull up like, the cards? I'm in a crew. He was the old Jake Mattia? Yeah. And then, yeah, Thomas Tate Tobin, that's it for faces. They got no hands and just that one support. They got caught caught stealing? Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Brian, I'm I'm, I'm putting all your lessons into action. Sweet. He's just going to start making everything glow. Doesn't matter if it needs to be. (laughs) Everything's going to be glowing, RJ. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna get some fluorescent blue, and I'm just gonna make I'm gonna make grumpy grumpy bear glow. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a good idea. That fluorescent oh, blue is that's that's what some weird stuff, man. I don't know. Grump, grumpy bear is gonna gonna have to come out of the case and get work done on him again. I also have flock. Oh, get the flock out of here. <laughs>
it'll, it'll look awesome. It'll be like, you know, mid-90s GW. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put them on a, a square base then. <laughs> Tom, for your union, you could just go get, uh, like, a tree and just light it on fire and then put it out. And it can be, you know... <laughs> Somebody's burned out. Somebody's garden that <laughs> burned out. Well, that's what, that's what I was saying. I'm going to go outside and just grab a rock. You get a nice fist sized rock. Sherman, Boom, I got a boulder. Sherman, it's Sherman's favorite tree. <laughs> <laughs> he always deploys next to it. It's one of his rules. It's his target tree. <laughs> and then, then he put his initials in it. <laughs> but what's it does weapon have a, a, a name? Oh, God. Yeah, it does. I can't think of what it is, though. And I don't have any bad gaming habits. I don't have any good ones either. <laughs> Old reliable. You, you got to have carbon, you carbon gaming habits at all. First. <laughs> Sherman, Sherman plus reliable. Is that what it's called? Reliable? It's reliable. <laughs> the burnt tree with his weapon's name on it. Yeah, heart. Oh god, that's funny. Sherman Hart's old reliable. <laughs> yeah, I thought it had an actual like name. Like Vera. Yeah. Lula Bell. Lula Bell. That's an awesome name. Hey Brian, I was telling Tom that <laughs> when I was downstairs earlier, I dug out my Viridian Alpha set. <laughs> Gotta get ready for Benji. Oh no! <laughs> I, I need an ass whooping, I guess. Right? <laughs> That's how you learn. You don't learn by winning; you learn by losing. Oh, I've yeah. Well, let's put it this way: I've I've got my ass whooped enough by the watchers that I think I might be able to play them. All right, we'll see. And that's all this is. It's all on theme. So it's just, you know, what's the future of law enforcement? We've got judgments and interceptors. And, you know, the only thing that's not future of law enforcement here are the deputies. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm forced to take them. So I took the smallest number of them I could. Not I'll me. March, uh, not me. I'll Double J's killing everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll have I'll have the deputies just hang out with uh, Morgan or Jed to take their hits. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's I'm fun. To, I'm trying to be wholesome. No, I'm trying to be wholesome. Not me. I'm an outlaw. <laughs> I'm going to lose a lot, but I'm going to lose wholesomely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll 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 lose with holes. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to tip his hat and say, "Good day, sir." <laughs> yes. Mm, man. <laughs>